Welcome to Founding Females of Film, a podcast shining a light on the forgotten filmmakers in history. I'm your host, Ramey Fritz. This episode, we're going through Mary Pickford's journey, from her stage career to being a co-founder of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Mary Pickford was born Gladys Smith in 1892 in Toronto, Canada. When Gladys was just seven years old, her father passed away in an accident, and she became her family's main breadwinner by performing in the theater. Interestingly, Gladys only attended school for three to six months, and she later claimed that she learned how to read from the roadside billboards she saw as she traveled. Theatrical performing became a family venture, as her mother and two younger siblings, Lottie and Jack, also got into the business. But Gladys had a passion for theater that no one else in her family possessed. In 1907, her ambition landed her on Broadway, where she met famed producer-director David Belasco. It was Belasco's decision to change Gladys's name to Mary Pickford. In 1909, Pickford approached director D.W. Griffith at the Biograph Company in New York and asked him to let her act in his moving pictures. She had no intention to work permanently in this medium. Rather, she was just asking because she was between theater jobs at the time and was hoping to make some extra money. Griffith agreed, and Mary began working for the Biograph Company. Pickford and Griffith would end up having a whirlwind partnership, disagreeing on many things, as Mary Pickford knew her worth and would always fight for what she believed she deserved. Pickford found film acting very intriguing, and she enjoyed posing for motion pictures. She worked as both an actress and writer for the Biograph Company from 1909 to 1911. She left for a brief moment to work with the Independent Motion Picture Company and Majestic Pictures Corporation, but quickly returned to Biograph in 1912. While Pickford was transitioning to film acting, she had a few critics who disagreed with this decision, suggesting that she was throwing away a legitimate theater career for a fad. The playwright, and ironically later turned screenwriter, William DeMille said of Pickford, she's throwing her whole career in the ash can and burying herself in a cheap form of amusement. There will never be any real money in those galloping tintypes. Say goodbye to little Mary Pickford. She'll never be heard of again. DeMille could not have been any more wrong. In 1913, after performing A Good Little Devil on Broadway, Pickford officially broke from stage acting. She signed a motion picture contract with Adolf Zucker and the famous Players Film Company. Little did she know she was about to become film's biggest star. Her stardom was immediately apparent. Nicknamed Motion Picture Mary, she was the first movie star to be on the cover of New York Dramatic Mirror in 1911. Moviegoers were already favoriting Pickford, so there was no doubt that she would see great success with her feature films. She was the first female celebrity not just known by name, but also by her face and her famous curls. Soldiers were even wearing her picture in the lockets they took to war. She became a symbol of childhood innocence, with long ringlets and childish dresses being her staple. This image translated into her acting roles as well, with most of her characters being vulnerable young women and sometimes even young girls. In 1915, Pickford starred in Tess of the Storm Country, 
which told the story of a fiery young woman fighting for the underclass. This film caused a sensation. This remarkable reaction turned Pickford into an international star and created for her a fan base that had never been seen before. Because of her large-scale stardom, Pickford gained bargaining power. In 1916, she negotiated a contract for a $10,000 a week salary, 50% of her film profits, and her own production company. This contract also gave her the power to sign off on every aspect of her productions, including deciding what script and director she preferred. She occasionally even had a hand in the editing process. During this time, Pickford worked with directors like Maurice Torner and Marshall Nealon, as well as writer Frances Marion, another powerful woman in early Hollywood who we'll talk about in a future episode. Some of the best features of Pickford's career were made around this time, including Poor Little Rich Girl in 1917, Stella Maris in 1918, and The Hoodlum in 1919. It was with these films that Pickford helped bring a respectability to the film industry. In 1919, at just 27 years old, Pickford co-founded United Artists, which was the first independent film distribution company. Other notable co-founders are Charlie Chaplin, D.W. Griffith, and Pickford's future husband, Douglas Fairbanks. Pickford and Fairbanks married in a private ceremony in 1920. Their relationship was very much in the public eye, and they became an instant Hollywood it couple. In fact, they had such a large fan base that they were mobbed at every port during their quick European honeymoon. The couple became the queen and king of Hollywood, holding court at their home, which was known as Pickfair. Here, they hosted well-known visitors like Albert Einstein, Helen Keller, H.G. Wells, Amelia Earhart, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and Charlie Chaplin. In 1921, Pickford created the Motion Picture Relief Fund, now known as the Motion Picture and Television Fund, which is an organization to help colleagues in the entertainment industry who have fallen on hard times. She knew what it was like to struggle financially, so she made it a point to help out fellow artists any chance she had. Around this time, Pickford made the decision to make only one film a year so she could focus on the quality of each production. Her films during the 1920s proved to be her most successful. Among them were a remake of Tess of the Storm Country in 1922, Rosita in 1923, and Sparrows in 1926. 1927 marked the year of Pickford's last silent film, My Best Girl, which would prove to be one of the greatest films of the era. Also in 1927, Pickford teamed up with many prominent men in the industry to found the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. As we know, the late 1920s also brought about major changes in the film industry. The Jazz Singer came out in 1927, and by 1929, the talkies had essentially obliterated silent films. Pickford embraced the change as she knew she could not resist it. So, she cut her curls and made two talkies before the decade was over. One of these films, Coquette, won Pickford an Oscar for Best Actress. The other film, Taming of the Shrew, featured Pickford and Fairbanks side by side, a very anticipated pairing. However, even with their good reviews, these films did not prove to be as successful as Pickford's silent pictures. She made two more talkies and eventually retired in 1933 after a 23-year-long career of making movies. While she did keep producing films after retirement, she felt this experience wasn't as rich as running her own career had been. 
Mary Pickford passed away in 1979 in Santa Monica, California. She left a legacy of compassion and generosity and was known as a woman who used her power with savvy grace. She was a strong-willed pioneer who knew her worth and wasn't afraid to fight for what she knew she deserved. Mary Pickford believed in moving forward and not letting the past affect the future. She once proclaimed, The past cannot be changed. The future is yet in your power. Thank you for listening to this episode of Founding Females of Film. Also, a huge thank you to BBC, the Women Film Pioneers Project, and NPR for providing information on the life and career of Mary Pickford. I'm your host, Ramey Fritz, and I hope you'll continue with me on my journey to learn about more trailblazing women in film history.